Hello, and welcome to the UIC Inc. podcast, where we interview various scientists from episode to episode. This week, we are interviewing UIC Inc.'s very own ZJ. He's our technical director and also the founder of UIC Europe. With no further ado, let's get started. Okay. So, my name is Radko Ivanovich, but for everybody's convenience, I go by ZJ. <laughs> And what do you do, ZJ? Uh, I work as a technical director at UIC Incorporated, and I also opened a company in Portugal named originally UIC Europe <laughs> that works as a distributor of UIC products in Europe and Asia. Okay. And uh, how did you get interested in science? Well, that would probably be uh, sometime around my elementary school, I would say. Okay. It was back in Yugoslavia, or part that's today Serbia, mm -hmm. uh, where I'm originally from. And I had some great teachers, uh, science teachers, uh, that kind of opened that world uh, for me. Uh, more specifically, chemistry and physics, and also later bi biology. Uh, probably because of them, I, I got uh, more interested. Uh, in science, and then of course the interest grew as I went through my uh, schooling, right? So later I was kind of more and more interested until I finished. <laughs> Do you have a particular memory from elementary school? Well, uh, yes, for example, times when we prepared for some local competitions. Every now and then they would organize regional uh, competitions in different uh, scientific fields you know, biology, chemistry, whatnot. And uh, if uh, any teachers could, uh, would notice that someone has a special interest, then they would suggest that, you know, to, to uh, apply there and compete. And once I managed to kind of pass the, the first two steps, you know, like uh, the, the uh, city competition and then regional, and that's what I like, <laughs> Do you remember uh, what your project was? And no, it was more like like a test form. Oh, okay. So you would get there and receive, I don't know, I think around 20 or more questions. And then you had to do it, of course, uh, correctly and also quick. You have to you had to be quick. Sure. And that was also something they were uh, looking at. Uh, if you had the same amount of right questions, answers like someone else, then they would see who was faster. Gotcha. Uh, at least that's what I was told back then. <laughs> Do you have a particular teacher that you remember? Uh, well, yeah, chemistry teacher. I mean, his name is, you know, Serbian name, so I don't know that if many people would know him. Uh, his name was Ljubiša. Um, he was quite, uh, he had an interesting way of talking about uh, specific topics there in chemistry, especially when we started with organic chemistry. Uh, for me, that was very interesting back then. And what level of schooling was that? Uh, that was elementary school, uh, seventh grade, because you there you have uh, from first to eighth grade is elementary school. Okay, so seventh grade, you guys are talking about organic chemistry. Well, that was kind of introduction, introductory uh, part. So uh, how was it? I think we start we started with inorganic. With the really basics, and then a little bit about organic chemistry, 
maybe it was eighth grade, but someone around that time. Uh, and yeah, that was it, I think. Then later, depending on what kind of high school you chose or you, you managed to, to get in, uh, you could continue these kind of things. In my case, I, I went to kind of uh, uh, school for high school for electronics. So I stepped away from biology and chemistry. We only had it for one year in high school. But then I learned other stuff in physics and electronics and so on. <laughs> and so with that, what would you say your current career research focus is now? Well, now, since I jumped through all kinds of different things uh, through my schooling and work career, uh, career, now it's, I would say, development of instruments and sensors for different types of measurements. Because after all, that's what I'm, uh, or I would like to, to do. <laughs> uh, no, the most important part of all of that would be kilometers that uh, we are working with and make, make at UIC. Kilometers for carbon and sulfur measurements. Okay. So, uh, and what would you say are the, the main challenges within your focus? Well, uh, one of the challenges uh, would be, for example, lowering the detection limit in, in specific instruments. If we're talking kilometers in this case, uh, it would, uh, that would allow to measure much lower amounts of carbon or sulfur present in samples, which would be uh, uh, very good for, for users, right? Then also minimizing the risk of instrument failure and ensuring rapid repair that would be something another challenge to, to uh, deal with and hopefully uh, resolve successfully uh, also lowering power consumption for example reducing instrument size or sizes uh, increasing uh, immunity to environmental conditions so uh, that would mean that uh, uh, your systems could be used in harsh uh, conditions, uh, especially, let's say, if it's uh, oceanography, then they could take it on, on ships or cruises okay. when they do measurements and so on. Gotcha. Yeah, that sounds like it could definitely be a challenge because there's such a wide range of environments that these machines could well, be working yes, in. Yes, so, I mean, I said it in general, uh, immunity to environmental conditions. Of course, you kind of boil it down to specific uh, conditions based on the on the users and, and their applications. Mm -hmm. So it could be that it's not possible to kind of uh, resolve it for all types of environmental conditions. Sure. Um, and with the sensitivity of the machines, where you're trying to make them more and more precise. Um, yeah, precision and accuracy. Uh, those are the, the other two things that, of course. I would say probably everyone who is working with instrumentation is considering uh, and trying to keep uh, uh, in the, how do you say in the best possible uh, range. Uh, of course, many times it's the technology and the advance of technology that allows us to to uh, maybe increase, uh, let's say, precision and or accuracy of a certain instrument. 
but also it could be some other uh, modifications that one can make. But overall, that would be the interesting part of the whole process <laughs> when you when you find out uh, what can be done to to improve those kind of things. And how are you pursuing that right now? Well, uh, at the moment, I'm not. <laughs> okay, <laughs> at the moment, fair. I'm, I'm uh, trying to make sure that the newly opened company kind of uh, st stabilizes and and can work on its own. Let's call it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I hopefully then I can uh, go back to uh, investigate in, uh, those kind of things. Uh, it it's almost like I wouldn't say basic science, but I would have to go back to uh, the, the basic scientific method there. And of course, for that you need time, you need resources. So whenever uh, time allows it, and there are enough resources i would like to try to do some experiments and see if it's possible to uh, for example increase precision or lower uh, lower detection limit or so uh, the kilometers it doesn't mean that i would be successful but at least i would like to try <laughs> yeah it sounds like a fun thing to be chasing yeah we tried what was it last year i think or a year and a half ago we tried with uh, switching one of the boards electronic boards in the kilometer and uh, we tried with the uh, one that's uh, how can i say more powerful and we did some testing but unfortunately the tests were as good as the previous one <laughs> so we couldn't uh, improve I, uh, we hoped to improve precision but or sorry to lower the detection limit but no <laughs> ah, that's all right you have to try right well that, that's the whole process yeah basically it's uh, a whole bunch of uh, no results and then until you suddenly get to some results <laughs> good results yeah well and then once you get to the good results i'm sure you need to repeat that time and time again to show well, that of course yeah of course yeah yeah time consuming but exciting yes yes um so have you had any recent breakthroughs with any of the machines uh well we we did some uh, uh new uh front-end units and uh, now we are working on the new model for the kilometer uh, but i wouldn't call them breakthroughs it's just we are trying to <coughs> modify the units that we have so uh they're even more user friendly and uh, do we increase their capabilities uh, in regard to uh, sample reports or result reports and um, saving data in a form that's uh, more acceptable to users and so on. So it's more about that kind of modifying existing units uh, in that regard. I suppose earlier in the conversation, I should have asked what are some of the applications of the machines that you're working on? Oh, yeah. Well, as I mentioned, uh, those kilometers are mostly for carbon and sulfur or or sulfur measurements. So basically any type of samples, uh, solid or liquid sample, uh, where uh, a user needs to know, for example, carbon content, uh, they could use a kilometer to, to find out. Uh, it could be inorganic carbon, organic carbon or total carbon, uh, dissolved uh, inorganic carbon in the case of... Uh, uh, oceanographers uh, and surface carbon as well 
So all of those uh, different types of uh, carbon could be measured with a kilometer. Uh, also on the sulfur side, if somebody is interested in total sulfur or sulfides and sulfides, sulfides, uh, they could use our kilometers to measure that. Uh, with different front-end units, they could measure different types of uh, those two elements. Uh, so either it would be some sort of acidification to uh, release inorganic carbon or sulfur, or it could be a furnace that would combust the sample and in that way uh, total carbon or total sulfur could be measured. And who are some of the um, more interesting users that you've come across? So uh, most, I would say the majority of them are uh, universities okay. and different departments there. Uh, but uh, we also have uh, basically all kinds of branches of industries uh, interested in uh, or using kilometers uh, through, through the years. Uh, I would say probably for me, the most interesting are uh, people working with carbides. Uh, because carbides are, uh, how can I say, very tough uh, compounds and it can be very difficult to uh, dissolve them, to uh, release the, the carbon so, so it can be measured. So that uh, usually we would need some sort of modifications and I worked with some of the users to, to make those modifications so they could measure uh, carbon in, in their carbides. Uh, from what I understand, uh, mostly they use uh, <clears throat> those compounds uh, in, uh, how do you call it, uh, uh, personal protection, mm -hmm. those uh, plates, yeah. uh, for however those are called. <laughs> yeah, that's my old industry. We would have pools with carbide blades. And well, there you go. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so any, any type of user that works with carbides and wants to know uh, carbon content, then they can uh, use our instruments now, we already have those uh, modified. Uh, what was the modification you had to make? Well, uh, one of the things was to, to make sure that you can uh, insert the sample after you already pre-heat uh, the acid. Okay. Because for most samples, you could place them in a sample vessel, connect everything, do the purge, and then you can pump the acid and heat up the whole thing if you need to and then measure. <laughs> but in this case, you wanted to uh, measure, uh, pump the acid and heat it up first, and then put the sample in, and uh, then measure. Now, in, the, in that case, we had to make sure that uh, when you uh, insert the sample, uh, th there is no uh, air present. Yeah. So the CO2 from air wouldn't uh, skew your, your measurements. Sure. So we, we came up with a little, uh, how can I say, a little valve there that okay. you would put your sample and then when it's time you just turn it so it can fall in. Okay, uh, so it's like a small vacuum chamber that was uh, already sealed? In a way, well, uh, uh, because it's a valve, you would put the sample in, then you have a um, kind of medium step where it would do the purge and sure. then it's ready and then you dump it down. Cool. It's, I mean, it's, you know, no big deal, but it works. Yeah. Uh, that's the most important thing. And yeah. now actually we are working on yet another variation for yet another type of <laughs> carbides where they, they use uh, two acids that we normally don't use. Okay. Uh, hydrofluoric acid and uh, nitric acid. 
and they use the, the combination of two to dissolve their carbides and to measure carbon. So now we are working on a modifi modifying the acidification unit so it can allow to do that. Uh, so um, uh, pumps and three-way valves would work so the acids can pump one after the other and then to heat up the whole thing and so on. <laughs> gotcha. Hydrofluoric acid is no joke. <laughs> Hydrofluoric, yeah, well, the, the, that's the whole problem because it reacts with glass. Oh, most of our uh, parts of our acidification unit are glass and glassware, right? Made from yeah. glass. So now we had to basically make all of the parts from something else. <laughs> what did you case, use? Uh, Teflon and PVC uh, and uh, some peak uh, fittings. Uh, so basically we used uh, plastic that can tolerate uh, sure. hydrofluoric acid. So uh, for now, it seems it works, but we're still working on it. Uh, wow. In a fine-tuning it now. Okay. All um, right. Um, so what would you say are some of the most rewarding experiences of your career so far? Uh, well, uh, uh, in this uh, now uh, position that I'm in uh, working at, at UIC, I would say the most rewarding is when uh, we come up with some modification or with something new and it works. Yeah. <laughs> so that that would be the the, the best uh, feeling, right? And also, uh, how can I say, feedback that we get from uh, users, from customers, especially when they try uh, new things, and when the feedback is good, and most of the time it is, that's. <laughs> That's really rewarding. Yeah, that's of course, great. Previously, when I was uh, doing my PhD, doing my, my research, uh, that was, uh, how do you say, uh, some other things were, <laughs> uh, how do you say, re rewarding there. Usually, was, I managed to publish something. <laughs> what was your publication about? Well, uh, I only had two because uh, later I stepped uh, away from academia. One was uh, uh, about uh, oxygen dynamics uh, around burrows of some polychaetes in marine sediments called Marenzellaria viridis. Uh, so those would be some worms that kind of dig into, into the sediment. And as they dig there and live there, they would... Uh, uh, allow oxygen to get into the sediments. Yeah. And then that's important for all kinds of reasons. And uh, some other type of worms, kinda, there was an invasion of them. Uh, so then uh, the problem was that they were uh, the, uh, not pumping in the same way like these guys and so on. So uh, when you calculate the differences per worm, per uh, burrow, and then you multiply for the whole sea, let's say, then you would come to some significant numbers there or changes in those yeah. numbers. And then the other paper was uh, uh, looking at the rhizosphere of some uh, sea grasses. Uh, basically, we found out uh, we managed to measure uh, release of oxygen uh, through the root systems of those sea grasses because they would uh, transport oxygen through through the plant and release uh, the root tips usually but also along the roots as well and it was interesting to find out 
and to measure the amounts uh, that they release like that. Uh, and we managed to do that with uh, something called planar optodes. So those would be uh, 2D uh, sensors that could measure oxygen. And you would use a camera and the light source and based on the amount of oxygen there, it would emit uh, different amounts of light. So you could record this and then, of course, using some software, you could calculate uh, the amounts of oxygen uh, released at specific points. Very, so, cool. okay, very interesting. <laughs> now, um, were those grasses and worms in the same ecosystem or totally different? Uh, the same ecosystem, yeah. It was just, uh, we kind of divided it like that so we could focus on these worms on one in one article on one end and then uh, seagrasses on the other. I think it would be, maybe it's possible to do it, but it would be complicated to do both at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> by doing those two papers, did you find any interesting connection between the two? No, not, uh, well, not the connection between the two, but overall, uh, both were important for my thesis that was uh, about oxygen dynamics in sediments. So in that regard, yes, they were both kind of talking about the same thing. Uh, but uh, still, I was looking at them separately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another part was, uh, what was it? Yeah, uh, we tried uh, to measure sulfur uh, in certain bur burrows of yet another polycate. Uh, but that was just uh, some, how can I say, initial uh, experiments. Uh, I didn't get to finish those because by that time I was finishing my PhD. <laughs> uh, do you think that the tools you were working with today, the instruments you're working with today, that sulfur analysis would have helped at all during that process? Um, maybe, but... Uh, the, the way we tried to do that was again with some uh, photosensitive and images. Yeah. So we were looking at the 2D distribution of sulfur. With kilometers, you could take a sample and measure this sample so you would know how much sulfur in this case you have specifically in that sample, meaning only in that part where you took sure. it from. Yeah. So, in a way, yes, you could do it, but then you would have to, instead of doing just a 2D image, you would have to have several samples taken from different parts. I don't know. It, could, it would be possible. <laughs> sure. Different type of uh, data, different display of data. Yes. Sorry, my colleague is interrupting. Oh, all good. Okay. Yes, sorry about that. No, it's all right. <laughs> you can cut it off right there. Uh, so what advice would you give to young people who are interested in a career in science? Well, uh, anyone who is interested, uh, I would say I would uh, tell them to definitely go for it. Uh, it's uh, quite thrilling. Uh, discovering how the world works, even though it can sometimes be a tiny, tiny part of the world, it's still very exciting. 
And of course, for me, uh, designing and performing experiments was always very interesting, for example. Uh, but one piece of advice I can give is to always ask questions. Because in that way, you can find out how something works, or you can also find out if something can be maybe improved. Uh, or maybe even change the, how they say that, uh, to, you, can, you could find out that maybe there is another way to look at this and maybe come to completely different uh, solution in the end. Uh, so, yeah, I would say asking questions is definitely the key, at least for me. <laughs> um, you know, totally outside of science stuff. When did you get out of Yugoslavia? In uh, 2005. Oh, boy, the That's, 90s must have been terrible. Oh, it was lovely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, I actually started the, the, my studies, my bachelor studies in 93. Uh, when it was probably the worst time. Yeah. <laughs> it was a time when I would write a check on the maximum amount for a loaf of bread and uh, 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 how do you say, a box of cigarettes. Yeah. You know, 10 packs. And that was it. That was the, the maximum amount. <laughs> yeah. You only get those two things. <laughs> oh, man. I remember that. But yeah, I mean, you you just go through uh, con considering uh, how much some other people had to suffer. Uh, for me, that was really not not so big, big of a deal. Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was not good. But yeah, you can go through it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I know a little bit about the region. My mom's side is from Croatia. Yes. So okay. I know some there, and then yeah. uh, as far as just conflict in central and eastern europe from the 80s and 90s i had a friend who grew up in communist poland mm -hmm. and uh oh he was saying the food lines and everything else yes. were terrible well, the thing is for them for eastern Bloc, yeah i would say it was more difficult it sounded uh, like it <laughs> compared to my case not compared to some other people who maybe lost people in the war and so on so that's something else yeah. but for me because i was just kind of away from all of that on the other side of the country uh, it was just economically it was bad sure but it was bad for a couple of years and that's it okay the eastern bloc that was for decades they were living like that yeah <laughs> so there, there is a difference <laughs> yeah yeah the stories that i hear from those guys are yeah, yeah. we also crazy. had food lines, all kinds of other lines, cigarettes and so on. Uh, lines, uh, you would stay in lines for almost anything. But it was just in that short period, mm -hmm. a couple of years. Yeah. Well, at least you got to continue your studies. Yes, well, I uh, managed even to pass one exam during the intervention, NATO intervention in 99. <laughs> Uh, it was like in the middle of it, and I was in my hometown, kind of bored because nothing happened. And one of the, the professors at the university said, "Well, I'll, I'll uh, keep the exams. So if anyone wants to, they can come to, uh, to for the exam." And I was thinking, "Well, why not?" So I went there, and I came in, and he said, "Okay, so first I have to ask you: Did you lose somebody in this war?" I said, "No." Okay, then you can have the exam. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so yeah 
That was, and it was during the, the air raids. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but it's I, more kind of interesting, funny than anything else, because it, it's not like something happened, you know? Right. I can't imagine trying to concentrate during that. <laughs> well, you kind of get used to it. It's like many other kind of horrible things that people are uh, exposed to for a long time. You yeah. get used to it, and you sure. just start living in that mode. Yeah. In the end, you kind of you don't even notice the the, the sirens. So you're <laughs> thinking about the dynamics of oxygen movement while there's air raid sirens going. <laughs> well, in this case, it was a, a course in economics. Yeah, so you're a, thinking about a pack of cigarettes for $10 million. Yeah. yeah, it was a compulsory thing. So that's why I had to do it because I, I don't like, uh, how can I say, economics or let's say social studies. It was yeah. I was never good there. Yeah. So, uh, But it was compulsory, so I had to do it. Sure. And that was the idea behind it. That's why I, I tried to do it uh, while the, the uh, things were going on, because I was hoping that I would get a, a easier treatment there. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, that's uh, it's fascinating, interesting. I'm glad you're okay. Glad everyone you know yeah, is okay. Well, that's why for me, it's more kind of funny now to think about these things. But I'm sure there are a lot of people that if they think back, that's not. <laughs> there's nothing funny for them. Yeah. Uh, How far is that? Is that uh, flight for you from Portugal? Uh, to go to Chicago, for example? No, no, no. Back to Serbia. Oh well, now actually, for the summer, they uh, opened a direct flight. Okay. Uh, Lisbon, Belgrade, and that would be maybe I don't know, three hours or whatever it takes. Oh, that's not bad at all. Uh, so, yeah, while they have this uh, flight, that's nice. But otherwise, uh, you would need, uh, you would have a layover, so then you get to nine plus hours uh, or whatever else. Does so, it drop, drop you off in Rome or? Oh, that depends what kind of uh, ticket you find and how expensive you want it to be <laughs> yeah. and how fast you want to get there. Yeah. But usually it would be, you know, Frankfurt or Rome or some, you know, some other city like that. Uh, it's for me, I, I don't have any reasons to go there now, or at least not so much like before. Uh, so I don't. Sure. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's nice, but yeah, for me, uh, I, I, I was born there. I was living there. I yeah. know. I sure. like other places that I don't know to visit. <laughs> How close are you to the beach in Portugal? Uh, 10 minutes <laughs> can't argue with that <laughs> yeah and actually here in Porto the weather is quite the way I like it if you go down to Lisbon and so it can be very hot mm -hmm. kind of real summer but here it's kind of mild nice. and also, of course in the winter it's not even a winter it's, it doesn't even go to the yeah. freezing point so for me it's perfect <laughs> oh that's great in a Goldilocks situation, not too cold, not too hot. <laughs> how's uh, how's the food in Porto? It's nice. It's nice. Of course, here you can uh, find plenty of uh, seafood mm -hmm. because it's you know right there. <laughs> sure. Uh, prices are reasonable. Yeah. So it's it's really nice. And of course, uh, they have very nice wines. If <laughs> that's something you like. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's overall it's very very nice. So English, Serbian, Portuguese? Not yet. Uh, Danish. Okay. 
Yes. Spanish. Okay. Uh, Portuguese, I'm supposed to start. <laughs> well, I would I like to start too. So if you need a speaking partner, I'd happily study with you. Okay. I can count to 10 and say uh, <laughs> fight. <laughs> yeah, for now, I just know the basics, you know, hello, good morning, thank you, excuse me, stuff like that. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I should start learning. It's just, you know, I'm also a little bit lazy in that regard. <laughs> well, it sounds like you got a few other things going on. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least I can use them as excuse to <laughs> not to start now. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, I'm going to see how this recording turned out. And um, I don't know if we'll need to do it again or not. This was fun. I like talking to you. Well, yeah, if we if we need to fix anything or add, uh, that's not a problem at all. <laughs> now, sure. now I already have the experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you have any suggestions for me to ask to other people, I would be open to that, too. Uh, well, uh, other people, if we are talking, let's say, users, yeah, then I would uh, also focus a little bit more on their applications. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, how satisfied they are. In my case, you kind of didn't have to do that because <laughs> I, uh, I used it even for many other, many applications there. But yeah. something, something like that, something that would... Uh, how can I say, uh, explain more uh, uh, how they use their instruments. Yeah, I'd be yeah, interested what, to see. What is it that they're investigating or making? Yeah, yeah, I'm very interested in that. Yeah. Um, another question for you would be, for a podcast like this, what would make you interested in listening to a scientist from a totally different field? For me, I would say uh, applications. Okay. So if it's something, even if it has nothing to do with kilometers or, or any other instruments, but uh, what is it that they do? Yeah. Uh, I would like to know because, or at least to hear, because it might be interesting. Now, yeah. when I hear about it, I, I could say, well, okay, no, that's not for me. I don't know anything about that. Right. But at least I would like to find out. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to do another practice interview with two of my friends. Uh, one is a biochemist and the other one is, um, he was studying math. He has his PhD. He was doing, I think he, he was doing probability. Um, but now he works for an agricultural company. Yeah. So I'm going to do two practice interviews with them and I'm trying to figure out what it is that they do and they research that would be interesting to you yeah well uh, for the second one i don't know it might, i mean uh, on the ag agricultural side uh, there could be something mm -hmm. uh, of course uh, i could uh, if i was to, to listen to uh, that, that podcast i would try to find out if for example he could use uh, one of our systems maybe not him personally but you know but his, his, his company yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, now it doesn't mean uh, not necessarily that if I find out that they cannot use it, that okay, I'm out. 
because then I can still listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> but that would be something for me uh, sure. to try to figure out. What if uh, what if he was doing something about the probability of oxygen release from corn roots instead of grass roots? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know how his uh, studies or what he was studying the uh, mathematics there, uh, how it applies in this field. Yeah. For example, maybe that would be a good thing to find out. Yeah. If it applies and how. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> cool. Well, I will let you know when I interview them, and then I'm going to start getting um, contacts from the different universities, and I'm going to start yeah. by interviewing I would them say too. You will probably have more luck with the researchers, universities, mm -hmm. because most of them uh, cannot wait to talk about their research. <laughs> That's what I'm excited about. You let so them you will talk. have a problem to stop them rather than to <laughs> get Good. them to start. Good, good, good. Uh, oh, yeah, that shouldn't be a problem. Now, from industries, uh, you will have to see if you can get someone uh, also how much they can say about their processes and so on. Right. Uh, so, yeah, you will see about that. Well, and, you know, worst case scenario with them, I think I can ask them about their schooling and their past and how they got to where they are. Yeah. Or maybe they can just talk about their, uh, you know, work uh, overall if not yeah. precisely yeah cool and where can people learn more about you and your work uh well uh i would say anyone who is interested can contact me at info at uac-europe.com or they could go to our website uacinc.com or uac-europe.com uh, to find out more that I would say that would be the easiest way <laughs> to contact me. Cool. All right. Well, uh, thanks for your time. And that will be cool. we'll, well, thank you for the suggestions and thanks for the interview. Problem. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, CJ. Have a, have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> Bye. Bye.